دایی یه فرصت خوب حالا پشت مدافع خدا داد عزیزی توی دروازه گل گل برای ایران خدا داد عزیزی خاطر روی زمین گشت سردار آسمون به توی دروازه سردار آسمون گل به نام آسمون به برای ایران بزنه کریم اصلی فر Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Golbazan. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, happy New Nooruz to everyone listening. Uh, Pejman, Sina, lovely to be with you today. Happy Nooruz. Yeah, good to be speaking to both of you. And as you both said, happy Nooruz. And I hope everyone celebrating and has a, a lovely few days ahead with their loved ones. I want to kick off the podcast because we've got a lot of stuff to get through. Um, the We did on the previous one talk about the rumors when it came to uh, which manager would take over the national team. The national team coach has now been announced. Um, I mean, Amir Khalanoi. Um, and I want to kick off firstly um, to basically talk about him. So Sina, what do you think of the appointment? Um, and yeah, what are your sort of like general thoughts? Um, underwhelming, obviously not not an option we wouldn't we wanted to to end up with. But I think the way um, the the last few months have gone, it looked like the federation had put all its um, eggs in the Felix Sanchez basket, and then once that was kind of confirmed that he was going to Ecuador weren't really left with with many options, especially because it's mid-season. I don't think there were that many uh, kind of good quality coaches available. And one thing that I've I've realized, um, and and this is mostly looking at Africa as a continent, but also Asia and comparing it maybe to to two or three decades ago, is that on certain times, certain occasions, depending on the circumstances, sometimes it's better to, to go with a local coach than a third or a fourth degree kind of European coach who may not end up adding much to you anyway. Now, Wilmots wasn't wasn't regarded as, as a third or fourth level European coach, but we all saw how, um, how he did. So I think Balanoi is, is an acceptable option in the short term as a stopgap to, to fill in the position and to see us through the Asian Cup. But um, I think it it's kind of um obvious that in the long term we need a we need a much better option and um i'm hoping that the federation is still looking they're still keeping the conversations in the uh, kind of behind the scenes to make sure that come the end of uh, come the end of asian cup regardless of the of the results we, we go with a coach that can see us through maybe the next five or six years up to the next asian cup so um we'll see but in terms of the next year galanoi yeah, out of out of the Iranian options, he's 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 one that you could probably trust more than the rest because of his because of his experience and obviously he goes without saying that his knowledge of of Iranian football not just in terms of the players but in terms of Iranian football as a whole what goes on behind the scenes the games that sometimes you have to play um, is is next to none. Yeah, and I think the behind the scenes right now, given the context, is is especially important. I mentioned on the last podcast, like I think. Having a Persian coach right now is is incredibly important for this maybe transitionary period. So um, 
Yeah, I completely agree with you there. But but Pejman, so he's he's already managed the national team before, so 2006, 2007. Um, he's come from Golgohar. So, like, what has he improved as a coach? Do you mind like giving a bit of a recap on um, his previous stint? Um, I mean, this team, 2006, seven, it was so long time ago, and he didn't really get like a chance to prove himself. It was kind of like a, a this situation now, a temporary solution. Uh, but looking at his record in the Iranian league, I would probably rate him as one of the best Iranian coaches ever in terms of getting results in, in the Iranian league. Like, let's be honest, Golgohare Sirjan, uh, it's not a team that you will talk about when you talk about uh, uh, the top teams in Iran, but he's done really good with them. He had Esterlal in three different occasions, I believe, and they always uh, have gotten good results. And maybe the most important thing uh, here is that uh, every team in Iran that he have managed, uh, he have brought up some new young players that have come into the natural team uh, to establish themselves. I think he had a good run in Terakhtor uh, Saji as well. Uh, what Sina mentioned maybe is the most important thing. Uh, if you have this kind of solution with Amir uh, Ghal then we, you can't start from zero. You need to have somebody that knows the do's and don'ts in Iranian football, in area, Iranian uh, football federation, the culture, the behind the scenes. I mean, he, he's the master of it, to be honest. He, he's probably one of the worst in that case, or maybe one of the best. So uh, I think it's a, the best option that we had today. Sina, so he's coming on to manage the the Asian Cup, which I I think we looked at this last episode. It hasn't actually been confirmed for January twenty four, but I, I guess like that's that's when it will happen. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the question I wanted to ask you is: you you mentioned how yeah it's a transitionary period; it's probably a temporary solution. Um, I guess should the federation still be looking for a longer term replacement? Absolutely. Firstly, in terms of the Asian Cup, the Asian Cup has been confirmed that it will be in. In January, um, the draw for the group stages will be in May. I think it's the first week of May, so we're only just kind of over a month away from from finding out who will be facing the group stages. In terms of the long term, as I mentioned, Balenoi cannot be the long term solution because I think we can do better and we we deserve better. Balenoi, in his first stint, if you wanted to compare him as a as a manager from a technical perspective, I think he was a lot more, let's say, up to date then. And his ideas were a lot more up to date at that particular point in time than he is right now. I think his strengths right now isn't so much a technical side. It's more that his experience to be able to manage uh, the team. And I think this is where it's, I think, vital for him to have good quality um, coaches, assistant coaches, to bring fresh ideas to the teams. And his job will be more or less managing that and, and getting the best, not just out of the players, but out of his, his technical staff as well. Now, I think, like I said, in the long run, I would prefer a European coach or a foreign coach, let's say, with um, with much higher experiences at the top level, maybe even international level, and one that could really, when he when his name gets announced, you would be excited. And you would think, okay, I can I can imagine this person really getting us not just not just getting the best out of the players, but also 
maybe pushing the team to the next level because now that's what we should be looking at. You know, the Kirish era was was great, but every era has an ending, and and that has ended now. We couldn't go to the second round of the of the World Cup, but now with the with the the number of teams expanding in the um, 2026 World Cup, that should be the goal that whoever comes in next has the ability to take us to the second round in the next World Cup. Let's talk about this quickly before we talk, talk about the, the the squad that's just been announced. So he's he's taking over the the squad for the Asian Cup. So I, I like we did talk about this in a few episodes ago where where it was like what should our expectations be beyond the World Cup going into the Asian Cup? Should we be expected to be one of the favorites to win the tournament? I mean some people said no, some people said yes. But the thing is our players right now, especially the you know Tarami and even Adriza Jaumbash playing in um playing in Farnwood right now, like they're performing extremely well. They're in very good form. Do you, even though we've got a new manager, Pejman, do you expect like us to challenge for the Asian Cup? Yeah. I mean, there are always these four or five, maybe even six teams in Asia that challenges for the title. And we all know who they are, Iran, South Korea, Japan, Australia. Saudi Arabia, maybe like Iraq, maybe Qatar, you know, like uh, I could do make some upset. But uh, I want to say something before I forget. And it's like, do we want another uh, Scottish situation? Somebody actually getting the results, but people in the federation or the players or media or whatever uh, push the narrative that this guy is wrong. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. That's something that we outsiders don't know. But can we afford to do another of these mistakes? Uh, I think the Scottish thing uh, and the situation in Iran are maybe two things, two points making it kind of hard for Iran getting a foreign coach. Uh, because you, you can't be trusted. I mean, Iran can't be trusted with that track record we had with uh, Skocic. And that's maybe why we didn't get uh, a name that we wanted. It, it's hard to say, but I'm afraid that the Scottish thing maybe harmed us more than, than we believe. No, I, I actually completely agree with you because it, that it definitely sent out a bad message given how public it was as well like i've never seen that with any other national team so I, I completely agree with you so when it comes to going forward now in terms of the asian cup do you have like high hopes don't we always have like high hopes but uh once again uh, i mean uh, uh iran and like i think it's south korea they haven't won the asian cup for like 60 years or something like that yeah somebody can please check that up during the pod and we'll see uh so Iran won't come into this as favorites because uh, I think the coaching issue will uh, harm us. I think there will be some lack of motiv motivation for the players until the actual uh, uh, Asian Cup begins. And maybe we can see it even now with the squ squad that we're going to talk about soon. So many players missing, you know. Uh, with this kind of attitude being allowed during Kairos era, probably not. But we all know that these kind of friendlies in the high intense time of the league isn't very popular amongst anyone. So 
and maybe they, they see their chance to actually uh, uh, say no to the national team to play against Kenya, you know? So I, I think it will be interesting to see how Kalenoi copes with that instead of like what kind of formation, what kind of players he will uh, have to deal with. Yeah, I completely agree. So let's let's talk about the squad now. So before we uh, go on to your thoughts, uh, there are, as you said, a lot of notable exceptions from both the injury front as well as managerial decisions, as well as like some pers- personal problems. So you've got, I'm not going to go through the whole list because there's quite a few, but the notable ones uh, in terms of injury, so Majid Hosseini injured, um, Morteza Poraliganji is injured, uh, who else have we got? Um, Omid Ebrahimi, but I think he's got he's, he's been injured for a while, to be fair. Um, I think that's it. Ali Ali Poor. Have I missed anyone out? No, I think that's it. But then, every like the, all the other players, like notable that have been excluded from either the manager or, or personal reasons. Um, Saman Bordus, uh, Sarah Asmon as well pulled out today due to family issues. So, we've got a lot of notable exceptions. Um, Sina, what, what's been the surprising one for you? Firstly, I think, especially after the World Cup, when we saw the, the likes of Omid Ebrahimi returning, I think this is a good time to move on from these players who are into their late 30s. Um, Omid Ebrahimi, maybe even Ansari Fatua to a certain extent. Asian Cup, I've always thought, is an opportunity for us to, yes, you know, we have the backbone of the team. We know the main, let's say, 14, 15 players that will that will be the key players, but the rest of it can be uh, players that we know will have a future at the national team and they will kind of uh, benefit from the experience of going to a major tournament. Now, one of those players is uh, Mohamed Amine has Bavi, who I think plays for Fulad as well, has done fantastically well as a, as a young defender. Um, so obviously his inclusion um, is is great, um, sends a signal as well to the, to the younger players that, um, you know, if they when they get the opportunity, if they perform, there is there is space for them um, on the team. But other than that, there isn't really anyone in there that you would think oh, that's that's a surprise. Obviously, there is the usual few changes that you would see when a new manager comes in. Uh, but I think the exclusion, mainly for me, the exclusion of someone like Amir Abedzadeh was was a bit surprising. Although yes, second or third choice goalkeeper, but you know he's a goalkeeper. He's a goalkeeper that plays in Europe. Um, I would have certainly put him. Um, next to Hosseini and, and Bayoman, but um, obviously it's, it's um, Galenoy's decision. And also, considering the short time that Galenoy has between now and the Asian Cup in, in January, and this goes regardless of who the new manager was, by the way, not just Galenoy, these camps are an opportunity for them to try new players, try new combinations, um, new, new formation, new tactics to see what works. Uh, because like I said, we know who the backbone of the team is. It's more finding out um, the, the the rest of the squad that, that um, kind of makes up a potential Asian Cup winning squad. I will I will say this for him, actually. he's He's gone into this already making decisions that might be semi-unpopular because he's already prioritizing maybe youth over experience, which, as you said, we had one of the oldest squads in the World Cup. This, this was a, a long time coming for us as a national team. So I, I kind of welcome these decisions. As you said, Omid Rahmi should have probably moved on before. Um, and Sari Fad, he did he did perform okay in the World Cup and then the friendlies before that, but same same sort of thing. Um, 
But Pejman, like from that squad, which ones are you sort of like excited for? Which ones are you surprised at? Um, the young football player that uh, Sina mentioned. And to be honest, the names are not really that interesting for me. I really want to see how Kalenoi, with this short amount of time, of course, uh, uh, gonna feel his uh, his element, his his tactics, his uh, uh, way of playing. Will we have the same kind of ideas versus Russia as we have versus Kenya? Will he? Because let's face it, maybe at least five or ten of these players won't make it to to the Asian Cup squad is my guess. So as Sina also mentioned, this is a great opportunity for them to show themselves and to be uh, like, do to earn that spot. So uh, the names, I, I like to see them all, <laughs> to be honest, uh, even uh, like, like Jahan Bakhsh, as we know, he did great under Skocic. He didn't gr- did, do great under uh, Kairos. Can somebody like Kale Nui find the right type of uh, system for a player like Jahan Bash, who can be really good when he's good, but he can be, sorry, awful, uh, or like it feels like Iran playing with 10, 10 players when he's really bad. So I'm more interested to see what will Kale Nui do? How will he respond to a quick uh, goal? Or uh, will he let uh, a player like Ehsan Hoj Safi be a part of the squad in, in Asian Cup 2024? Probably not, but I'm more interested in Kalinui than anyone else, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, even with Jambash, like even today when he played, they played against Ajax, you know, to, and they've, they've, they've got to the top of the table and he was he was kind of pivotal in that performance today. So, yeah, like he could very easily build an entire team around him, right? Like if, if he... But you never know what sort of Ali Reza is going to turn up. That's the issue. But uh, yeah, I completely agree with you. So um, you guys happy to move on to the Iran-Russia preview? Is there anything else you want to mention? Just one point on, on Asian Cup. I've always thought Asian Cup is a is a very interesting tournament on the, on the international stage, mainly because of the timing. You always come straight after the World Cup, usually within a six-month period after the World Cup, whereas now there's that one-year gap. And... I think it tends to favor teams that have a little bit more consistency in terms of the managers that are that are there. Um, you know, you, you go back to 2019. Um, obviously, Felix Sanchez had worked with those players from from younger age groups, and, and 2015, I think it was Andrew Postecoglou who had been there for a, uh, for a few years. So, I think teams that tend to make a change in in managerial positions just before the Asian Cup, so in that gap between the World Cup and the Asian Cup, it doesn't end up kind of benefiting them too much. So for me, the the, the favourites will be undoubtedly Japan and, and Saudi Arabia, mainly because of how, how they performed at the World Cup, but also the fact that they have good managers having worked with those players and built a team, which is exactly what Pejman mentioned, you know, being able to, Kalano, being able to um, kind of build a a unit that's that works in, in such a short space of time. So for me, I wouldn't really put us as... As the favourite for the Asian Cup, obviously with the players that we have, you would expect us to get to to the um, to the kind of much um, kind of the, the later stages of of the competition. But for me, the the favourites will be mainly Japan and, and possibly Saudi Arabia as well. 
Just quickly as well, before we move on to the uh, the Russia preview, um, I forgot to mention that Alayar Sayed Manesh is recovered from injury. He's playing for Hull now, Hull City, but he's also not um, not in the squad due to a technical decision. Um, so yeah, just just to mention that there's a lot of different exclusions. And Ali so Karimi as well, in, and Ali Karimi as well. Yeah, so um, that's like a six, seven decent players. Yeah, see. yeah. I mean, it's a long list, so. Um, yeah. Okay. Cool. Let's move on to the Iran Russia preview. Um, first, firstly, is like we we always struggle to get friendlies. We've always anticipated this, so I think like this is as bad as it sounds. It's probably one of the better ones, um, given the current situation, which I know sounds awful. But Russia is a pretty decent team if you just want to talk from a football standpoint. Um, so yeah, Pejman, are you excited for that game? Do you think do you think it's a good test for them, especially if Galenoy is a new manager? Yeah, I'm not quite sure of the status of, of Russia, to be honest. Uh, due to the war, uh, the national team haven't played so many games together. I mean, how, how do they feel about a friendly game in Iran? Is that like what they're looking for in their so-called comeback? Um, it's hard to say what, uh, what Russia will do out of this. We know that they're a good team. They're a decent team. They will probably made it to the World Cup 2022 if they didn't get banned from FIFA. And who knows? Maybe we'll get uh, Russia in uh, the Asian Confederation uh, and uh, have them a part of the Asia, the World Cup qualifiers. I mean, it's not the Russia that we maybe uh, are used to see since they... They, the players haven't met each other in like a long time and we don't know what to expect from them. So Iran should be a slight favorite there. Yeah, and they're playing playing in Tehran on the 23rd of March. So so it is very, very soon. Um, Sina, what do you think about it? Yeah, as Pejman mentioned, I think from, from a kind of a, looking at it from a political point of view with, with everything that's, that's happening at the moment, um, they are, and obviously we've heard rumors as well, uh, that they are looking to, explore the possibility of joining Asia um, as far as football is concerned. And considering you have, you, you kind of look at the games that are playing against Iran and against Iraq as well, I think in the same window. And the fact that, you know, Zenit, for example, played against Sepahan in a, in a friendly a few weeks ago. And, and the fact that the, the relations are quite good with, with China and looking at it from a, from an East Asian point of view, it may not be a, um, you know, it may not be unlikely that they would join Asia. So it might it might happen sooner than we think. And this might be I like one that. of the ways. Sorry. I, I like that idea of Russia giving Asia a, a better competition, just like when Australia joined. I mean, it, it's good for Asian football. It is, you know, looking at it from a football perspective. And also, again, when you consider the fact that Asia's spots at the World Cup will be increasing, we could definitely do with that competition because now with those spots kind of increasing, you're looking at uh, South Korea, Japan, Iran, Australia, potentially Saudi Arabia being kind of guaranteed spots at the World Cup, which takes away that kind of competitive mentality of going into certain games. So yeah, adding more competition and, and generally improving the level of football in Asia is, is certainly good. And, and um, regardless of the fact that you know, Russia hasn't played in, a, in, in over a year, I think it might be, um, they are. They still have good quality players, so it would still be a good test for us, considering we 
as you said, you'll be missing six or seven important players as well. So it would be a good test for the for the players coming in. Um, so yeah, it's, the result doesn't matter as much as Pejman said. It's, it's more for us to see what kind of team, or at least what's the basic idea of uh, Galenoi um, in terms of um, him being a manager. What kind of tactics formation he's going to choose? So. Um, so yeah, it could it could be a lot worse, as you said. You know, we we used to struggling to get friendly, so we've played against worse teams. So this is a this is a good opponent. Yeah, for sure. Before we move on to Andrew Flint, who's an expert on on Russian football, I want to get your view on. Um, so, would you rather Galanoy plays experimentative, or like giving it as a friendly, or do you want him to play like more safe with the players that he kind of expects? Like, what sort of strategy would you want him to play, given that his he's just moved into the role? I'll, go, I'll stay with you, Sina. Um, I think a little bit of both. I think balance is always important. You know, you you choose the, the formation and the setup that you think would work best for the team. Um, and you mix up the key players with with um players that you think they may have enough to to join in kind of join the squad in the in the in the long term and then come the Asian Cup. Because otherwise, if you don't play any of the key players and you simply just give an opportunity to so a team solely made up of um, uncapped players, although it's a great experience for them, what are you actually learning from these players trying to kind of play with with the more established players? So I think balance is important. And in terms of the way Iran plays, I can't see Galenoi going and playing tiki-taka. He's never been that sort of a guy and he's not going to be now either. Traditionally, when he started, I think he was playing a, a back three to begin with at his Serlal. Um, so he does have experience with that. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting from a from a formation point of view to see what he does. But from a um, an actual approach, I can't see us playing expansive football. Okay, cool. So let's go to Andrew Flint now. That Ari, who Aria caught up with um, to talk about Russia uh, and yeah everything that they should expect as well from us. Okay, I'm joined by Andrew Flint, a good friend of the podcast, uh, Russian football expert. We've had him on before. Good to have you back on, Andrew. Uh, it's good to be back, Ari. Thanks for inviting me back. And uh, it's made a nice change to be talking about uh, proper sport for yeah. what seems like a long time. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Good stuff. Andrew, of course, we're here to speak about the Iran against Russia friendly match. It'll played on the 23rd of March. Uh, we'll come on to that in a second, though. We want to discuss, first and foremost, the Russian national team. As we all know, um, if you've been reading the news over the last uh, couple of years, there's there's been this war between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, that's obviously uh, meant that the Russian national team hasn't played in a long time. Obviously, they've played two friendly matches uh, just before the end of the end of the year against Tajikistan and Uzbekistan. Um, this will be the third game, the first game of the year for Russia. What's the general consensus for the national team in Russia? Well, it's stating the obvious a very strange time um, at the moment for the Russian national team with its expulsion from UEFA competition. So it, it's hard to know what direction the squad is going in. There's It's quite an interesting squad in some ways. There's a lot of uh, uncapped players in there. Um, I'd probably draw attention to people who aren't quite so familiar with the Russian national team to um, some really exciting youngsters. There's teenagers, Sergei Pinyaev, who joined Locomotive Moscow um, in the winter break. Um, and normally I would say that's a bad thing because Locomotive are a bit of a basket club, really. But 
they've got a good young coach. They've signed some really good young players. So it's a good atmosphere for the, the youngster coming in. He, he went on trial a few times to Manchester United when he was younger. So he's one to look out for. He's absolutely electric, really good finishing. And I expect him to get some game time. Um, and then there's the likes of Arsene Zaharian, who was rumoured to be close to a move to Chelsea. I think that's probably unlikely, although there was talk that he would consider um, switching his nationality to Armenian. He has Armenian heritage, which would make it slightly more comfortable, shall we say. Konstantin um, Chukavin up front, 20-year-old striker. There is no Artem Zuba up front. Um, he's the all-time record goal scorer for the Russian national team and and also in the Russian Premier League. He's just returned to Lokomotiv Moscow, but he's not in the squad. So there's some really interesting young players in there. Um, and the the goalkeepers is, is a sort of funny one. Igor Akinfeyev has been the goalkeeper, is the best Russian goalkeeper since, uh, well, since the break Soviet Union, anyway, without question. He's still playing um, for his club, CSK Moscow, but um, he's not in the squad. So most of the players really have about 10, 15 caps at most. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how we do. Um, and of course, a few of the players based in European football at the moment um, Alexander Golovin at Monaco. Um, Alexei Midanchuk uh, in Serie A, who's not quite set it alight, but how they will come back, how they will fit in, um, should be very interesting. And I would say this is the best, this is the best opposition Russia will have faced um, in quite some time, um, certainly in the last six or eight months or so. Um, so it is good to have a real challenge. Um, how they will tie together remains to be seen, but it will be a really interesting game for me. Um, interesting news came out not long ago about Russia potentially wanting to join uh, the AFC, the Asian Football Confederation, mm. um, didn't happen. But what's the kind of what happened there? What, what was the the reasoning behind that? Yeah, well, I mean, of course, this this started when um, UEFA expelled Russia or suspended Russia, I should say. Um, and it's a situation linked, of course, to the the current geopolitical situation. Um, I have to be careful with the words I say, um, not because I'm trying to skirt around it, but actually. There are laws about what you're allowed to say um, based here. Anyway, the point is this: UEFA were never going to um, we're never going to allow Russian teams, international teams, club teams to compete. And it's not actually something I completely disagree with because it would just be a complete logistical societal nightmare. We saw teams. In qualifying for the Qatar World Cup, Russia got through to the playoff stage. Poland refused to play against Russia. Um, and, I mean, it, it just would be, I think, too awkward for everybody involved. So I don't actually have a major issue with that myself at the moment. It just isn't the right situation. But um, it, goes, it goes way beyond sport, this. There is a pivot in Russia in virtually all spheres, in business, in society, in tourism i mean we saw today or yesterday i believe it was um uh, visa demands for russian and iranian um travelers between both countries um scrapped so russians can now go to iran without needing a visa other asian countries there's far more business far more trade and there is almost a feeling of well if 
Europe is going to, the, I'm not saying this is what I personally feel, but there is a mood of, well, if Europe's turning its back on Russia, well, let's look elsewhere. Um, so there was consideration of applying to join the AFC, um, the Asian Confederation. And uh, the, the, the sense I got was that had the Russian Football Union decided to do this, Russia possibly would have been accepted. Um, it was actually a very, very close vote that went on in December. Um, and the members, it, it really was almost on a knife edge, but it, uh, they rejected the, the opportunity to make a formal bid um, to join, to leave UEFA and join the AFC. And it's not without precedent, is it? We've seen Australia, of course, join the AFC for competitive reasons. And I think that's probably been a good thing for them and for the Confederation. Uh, for Russia, I don't think actually it would have helped, helped anything, really, um, in my opinion. It, yes, it would. If, if the AFC had accepted Russia, they would have been playing competitive qualifiers. Um, but the real aim of all countries, of course, is to, is to play in the World Cup. That's what drives a player's future. Um, and that's just simply not going to happen no matter what confederation Russia play in. Um, but I think the club level is where it would have been more interesting. Russian clubs joining the Asian Champions League, uh, it would have made a lot of sense in the short term, perhaps, um, because I think I think it's unlikely UEFA will accept Russian clubs back in for, I think, quite some time. That's my personal opinion. Um, and the quality of the of the league, you would imagine, might start to suffer. Um, but actually, as it turns out, not as many foreigners have left the Russian league as I as I expected. In fact, quite a lot of Latin Americans have have joined. A lot of Brazilian players, um, and even two Brazilians at Zenit, uh, Claudinho and Malcolm, have gained Russian citizenship recently. So it, it's more for practical reasons. It's I don't think it's really a deep love of the country, but they have been here for well, Malcolm since 2019, um, and. Uh, Yep, so joining the AFC, it was close. It didn't happen. It's something that will rumble on, but deep down, I think what Russia really wants is they don't want to give up on being in UEFA, which there's no point beating around the bush. It is the most competitive confederation. It's the most glamorous confederation, especially at club level. That's where they want to be, but it's just not going to happen anytime soon. Well, one thing that could be happening is they could join the Central Asian Football Confederation, which is um, the sub-confederation where Iran is part of. Um, they've been invited to the, the I think it's the first uh, senior uh, competition between these uh, teams. Uh, it will be an eight-team tournament between June 9th to the 21st. Uh, Russia's been invited. They'll be in the same bracket as obviously Iran, uh, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, uh, Kyrgyzstan, Afghanistan, and Turkmenistan, and one more Asian team. Uh, so we shall mm. see how that goes. Um, thoughts on that? Yeah, interesting. Really, um, I, I think it's, I think it's a positive step, certainly from the Russian perspective, to get anything resembling competitive football. Um, is has got to be, um, it's got to be good. I mean, look. Iran are, are the strongest side there, um, alongside Russia. So they will 
and again, that will be interesting to to see how Russian players are motivated, which ones get called up, how seriously they take it. And I think they will take it seriously. Um, but even the other nationalities looking at that list, um, there have been Uzbekistan players in the Russian Premier League, Tajikistan players, even here in Tumen. We had uh, Farhad Vasiev, who was our defender for a year or two, um, Kyrgyzia as well. We had Valeri Kitchen <laughs> playing in the Premier League in the second tier. So there will be some familiarity. Um, it's not just a, we'll, we'll play with literally anybody. It makes geographical sense. It makes competitive sense. Um, I think Russia would expect to uh, to win a tournament like this, or at least be in the final against Iran at the very least. Um, I think I think probably it is viewed as a as a as a stepping stone for now, just to keep things ticking over. Um, but who knows? It may. I don't know what sort of prestige this tournament will carry forwards in future years. But it's going to be broadcast on on Russian TV, um, and people will follow it. And it could be an interesting signpost. Well, you look at are. like you look at the the Arab Cup. You know that's got better prestige. Mm. I mean, FIFA have now taken it in as their own competition. So you know maybe down the line it will be something that they do more regularly and it's a bit more prestigious um okay so of course uh speaking about the main topic iran are going to play against russia um march 23rd it's it'll be we've played russia quite a few quite a few times in the last you know 78 years it's been this is probably like i don't know maybe third or fourth friendly they played against them to be honest with you um obviously this is iran's first game after the world cup um russia are not Unfamiliar with a few players, Sardar Osman, of course, played for Zenit. Uh, Said is at Olay, of course, played for Zenit. Obviously, Sardar was at Rubin Kazan as well. Uh, other players like Milad Mohammadi was at Ahmad Grozny. Also, uh, yeah. Re- Reza Shekari, uh, who played for Rubin Kazan. Ah, uh, uh, yes, yes. He's actually got a chance of making this squad. And as of recording, the squad hasn't been announced. Hopefully, it gets announced. The podcast, this will be in. They will have announced it, so the guys will speak about it. But Reza Shikari is currently, as of today, coached by the current national team coach, um, Andrew Gardley, who plays for Gold Gohar. So may or may not call him up uh, as a favour, having done quite well this season. Um, what are your thoughts on this friendly? What What do you think of this um, of this game between these two nations? And do you think that um, this could be a competitive game? I'm really excited about it. Um, I've, I'll be honest, mentally I've switched off from national team football um, because well, it's just been a bit of an unknown quantity over um, over the last few months for, for obvious reasons. I mean, when, you, when you're playing the like, I mean, it sounds unbelievably snobbish, arrogant perhaps, but when the best that you can do is play Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Kyrgyzstan with no idea what's coming next, it can sort of deflate the interest uh, a fair bit. And there were quite a lot of team changes, a lot of experimental lineups. Um, Sergei Pinyayev did actually make his debut in one of those games, I forget which one it was now. Um, but I think that it is a positive step forward for the players. Look, whatever, it's impossible at the moment to talk about anything relating to Russia without mentioning or bearing in mind the current situation going on in the world. Um, one thing that I think 
really does need to be remembered. A lot of people I've seen are insistent that people in the public eye should be commenting on the geopolitical situation. Um, some have, but it, the consequences are extreme, they're very, very severe. But what should be remembered is these people are, they, they are still sportsmen, they, they still have a career. Um, and I don't think that an 18-year-old like Sergei Pinyayev deserves to have his, his sporting ability, his career ruined by absolute zero prospect of, of competition. So for a game like this, it's a real step up. You know, Iran is a, a, serious, a serious international side. Like you mentioned before, we've played a, a number of times. There is that familiarity. Seeing Sardar we will be, I mean, for me, by far and away, the most exciting thing. I've been especially disappointed to see him get so little chance at Bayer Leverkusen. I know he's had his injury problems, but it does seem like, until the last few weeks anyway, a bit of a distrust in his ability, which I find bizarre because his record is just sensational. Um, so the game itself, I think, will be really important. I think if if um, Valeri Karpin does not take this seriously as head coach of the Russian national team, then he needs his head screwing on properly because this is about as serious as, as it gets for the time being, at least. Um, so friendly it might be, but it is, of, I think, very, very big importance for the Russian players and the team that he puts out. There'll be rotation. But I do think it will be indicative of how Russia will approach the next few weeks and months of international football. Okay, so prediction time. Um, you know, Iran have got a new coach. I'm Iran, he's in charge now. Um, the last two, just check here, the last two times Iran have played against Russia, 2017, it was a 1-1. And 2011, it was 1-0 to Iran. They actually got a red card in that game, Iran, as well. Um, so Russia could be looking for the win. What's your prediction uh, in this game? <laughs> well, uh, I, I think, honestly, I'm not trying to sit on the fence, but I think it probably will be a draw. Um, I'm hoping there will be goals, uh, at least from, from both sides, to simply to test the mentality of the players. Um, how Iran will take this? Well, I think they will take it seriously as well. So I don't think we're going to see... You know, pass endless passing around the back and little goal for it. So I think we'll, we'll see goals from both sides. So I'll go for one-one draw. Um, I don't think it would be right to predict a Russia win because I just I'm not entirely sure what team is going to turn up. The best team turns up, they could they could win, and that would be some result. But one-one draw is what I'm going for. Uh, Andrew, I really appreciate your time. Uh, just to finish off, then, um, at the start, uh, can you give us a little bit about your social media, where the people can find your work um, around the internet? Yeah, well, I'm on on Twitter at Andrew M I J Flint, and I write for Heart of Football, which is at Heart of Footy. Um, we have we're actually looking for some new writers at the moment, but we're looking to cover some interesting stories. So I can you can find a bit of my work on there. Um, and I I don't use the other social media platforms quite as much, but Twitter is mostly mostly where I can be found there. Fantastic. Uh, again, I really appreciate your time, Andrew. Hopefully, we'll get you back on soon. All the best. Absolute pleasure. Thanks so much, Aria, and uh, made the best team win. Thank you.
before we jump into yeah we, we've already talked about thoughts i guess so when it comes to lineups as we already i've already asked you Sino, like what how do you expect them to line up but Pejman, what do you what do you kind of think what do you expect Kalinoy to do I think he will uh, line up a stronger team uh, against Russia than he will do against uh, Kenya. Uh, I really hope that he will give all the players some minutes because uh, otherwise, what's the point? I mean, of course, it's always good to be in the national squad and the experience and everything, but uh, I, I hope everybody gets some minutes, uh, even the third choice goalkeeper who is new, who probably won't be in the squad, maybe in Asian Cup, who knows? Uh, uh, that will be really smart of him. And then if Iran even will lose 3-0 against Russia, it's it's totally okay because he can say, well, listen, we didn't have Majid Hosseini, Purel Ganji, Ali Karimi, Salmon, uh, Sardar, and so on and so on. So, yeah, I, I would like him to be quite, uh, um, how do you say it? Uh, experimental. should be experimental. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. So, um, yeah, we've already talked about that. So I'm happy to, yeah, move on to predictions, I guess, before we move on to also talk a little bit about Kenya on the 28th, also in Tehran. So, Sina, how do you think, what do you think will be the score? Um, it's a friendly, so I, I, I'm going to go for a boring draw, 1-1. One, 1-1 one. One, one is so boring. Okay, Pejman, what do you think? <laughs> Uh, you know, on my feed on Facebook, I somehow uh, stumbled off. I guess it's due to my, I don't know, uh, algorithm uh, to the Harambe Stars, uh, which is like the Kenyan uh, nickname for national team, actually, I believe, uh, on their uh, forum. And like, if you think Iranian fans are pessimistic and like bad, <laughs> you have to see the Kenyan ones. They're like, they're so disappointed of the national team and they're like why don't we play uganda and tanzania that's like that's our level of competition but it's good to play against iran and you know when i read their comments and i was like thinking like which, which kind of kenyan players do we have that are doing good i can't think of anyone at the top of my you head have, uh, you have victor so. wanyama back in the day i don't know if he still plays but he's the yes. only one i can think of i think he's i think he plays in mls last time i heard but he used to be really Good Premier League quality. That's some elite player. football knowledge from me, by the way. I'm not. <laughs> I should get ratings in the comments for that. Oh, he's retired uh, from the Iran national team. Okay, we win that uh, quite easily, even with their like uh, experimental squad. Probably two, two, one, three, one, something like that. What about the? So that's Kenya. What about Russia? Oof. I mean, uh, that will be the boring draw. I do believe. Okay. Cool. And Pejman um, is usually the optimistic one. So when he says yeah. it's a draw, that means it's going to be a draw. Maybe not boring, but that, that will be uh, a draw. Uh, and it will be due to two teams with, with players that don't know each other. That, that's, that will be the main reason. Like, you don't know where that guy runs or that those instructions, they take time to learn. So I think that's the reason. Hopefully yeah, I'm wrong. I I don't like the thing is like with the scoreline as you guys said before it doesn't matter too much it matters more around like his attitude towards the game in terms of like his managerial statistics his managerial strategies and things like that so yeah I I think even if it is a draw there's a lot of positives that you can take from it depending on how he kind of lines it up okay let's move on to the fan questions now guys so number one actually firstly I want to thank you guys for sending in the fan questions because 
um yeah it's always i always like answering them so number one would you rather team Melly take the best regardless of age and try to win the asian cup or start the process of phasing out the older generation now we've already kind of talked about that um but Sina, what do you kind of think about it? i i mean i, I already know what you're going to say but just to kind of reiterate I'm like you said, I'm always going to give the same answer that there's got to be a balance between the two. You know, you have, yes, you have your key players like Jaron Baksh, Osmoon, etc. But there are some of the older players that you may not need. And if they're just going to sit on the bench, then yeah, I would rather take a younger player who can who can certainly benefit from that experience. And by older players, I'm I'm more referring to the likes of Wamide Rahimi or um, Kaliman Solifad, you know, like I said, players that may not get on the pitch, but they're taking the spot from a player that may be involved in the national team for maybe the next five or six years. Yeah, the next question, it's, I mean, so should Team Melly start working with a 3-5-2 formation, Alayar, who's who's not in the squad, but Alayar Rezaian as wingbacks with Eze and Saman Hodsafi in the middle. So you've got two exclusions from that in the squad. So I think the main thing is like, should three at the back be a formation that we that we adopt? I, I'm guessing the question is, what do you think, Pejman? Uh, I don't think it matters. I think these players are good enough to to play both four four two, three four one two, three four two one, whatever. Uh, as long as they are actually able to follow those instructions and to do what they're supposed to do. For me, it, it's not that important. I always am like kind of anti this uh, uh, specific way of dealing with formations. Mm. Next question. This will be the first Team Ali match at the Azadi Stadium with a crowd in over three years. Is that correct? And I guess like a follow-up on that is like how significant would that be? That's not correct. I, I didn't think it was game. I didn't think it was correct, yeah. I think early last year. We had a game and uh, also do with 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 crowd there, so still significant, obviously. Uh, but yeah, it's not been three years. So okay, and uh, yeah, time to go younger and stronger. We've already answered that. Um, can feel Salad... free to mention their their names, whoever asking the questions. Oh yeah, of course. Um, so the first one was from Sajad A, and then the second one was from Esan Moslehi, and then the 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 crowd one was from Junior Rodigan, um, and then the, the last one from Sultan Omid. Can Galenoy develop the midfield around desperately needs with his new call-ups? That's a very good question, I think. Sina, what do you think? One name that I I forgot to mention, and and he was one that that was discussed prior to the World Cup as well. Is uh, Hossein Zadeh, who's currently at I think Charleroi. Charleroi, yeah. So he's he one that today, I think can, he can he can certainly be part of the team, and I think he can play anywhere from either number ten or on the wings or potentially centre mid as well. So I'm I'm excited for him to get more opportunities. Another one that I think again, I know Ari has mentioned his name multiple times, and and we've all discussed it is Yasin Salmoni, who hasn't been called up, but again, I think he's only net twenty. 1920. Um, we played for Sepahan for the last two or three years, so he's got experience at, at first team level, and I would like to see him given more opportunities. So, yes, Galenui certainly looking at it at this point. There are names that can be tried, uh, that can be given an opportunity, um, 
but um, whether they will actually, we will see them playing in, you know, a three that works, for example, you know, it's all good and well putting names together, but they actually have to be able to complement each other on the pitch. So whether that happens or not, we'll only be able to see it after after a few games. But there are some names in there that, that can get you excited um, if we see them on the pitch. Yeah, a, ro- a role that we've, sorry, Pejman, a role that we've always like missed, I guess, in the national team is that creative midfielder role. Like we've had, We've had a lot of defensive-minded midfielders. That that area of the team can also be very much improved. But creative centre midfielders, we've never really had one that I can kind of think of. Which is which is a really if if you were to compare the team at the moment to the team that Galinoy had in two thousand and seven, that is one of the biggest differences. Because back then, you did have some good quality number tens. You know, putting aside Ali Karimi, you had Imam mm. Ali, for example, at potentially the peak of his game, who was a set piece master. Putting that aside, you had the likes of Mushtaqo Jabari coming coming through Feridun Zandi, of course, playing in, in Germany at that time. So there was variety in there, so much so that you had, you know, in, in different styles of play that you could kind of bring in to change the game. Now that doesn't exist as much. So yeah, it's it's interesting to see how how he would deal with that too. Yeah, and, and obviously someone could potentially fill that role, but he he's not been called up for this squad. So yeah, it it'll be interesting to see if if a younger player can step up, step up and take that number 10 role and maybe maybe do that from like a longer term perspective. But uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. Pedro, what were you going to say? Um, mentioned Reza Shakari, but also one thing, like something that I hope Karanoi can do is like, we always had this problem in Iran, like Iranian players playing really good in the Iranian league but the transformation from the league to the national team have been like a, a step too big for some players to to manage. And they, they look really awful, more or less. Like I'm thinking like players like back in the day, Qasem Hadadifar, he was quite decent in the national team as well, to be honest. But in the league, he was like phenomenal. He was a, a player that you know every team dreamt of. Uh, I think Talebi uh, in Zobahan back then in like a central defender. These players were amazing in the natural in the league and in their clubs, but in the national team they lacked. You know when they play against international level. So can Kalenoi uh, be that kind of uh, uh, guy to to make that transfer possible, being the natural league player to a natural team player? That would be really interesting to see. And I hope and he, he can do that, actually. Mm, very good point. All right, guys, that's 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 the end of the fan questions. That's the end of the episode. Uh, have you guys got anything else to say before we wrap up the podcast? Just uh, one final point that I think people will find interesting. Kenya's manager, Engin Firat, he has quite a, a bit of experience in Iranian football. I particularly remember him as coach of Saifal. But I just had a look at his CV again, and he was Iran's assistant coach after Galenoi during the time of Ali Dai, and he managed quite a few clubs. So um, to some people who follow domestic Iranian football in the last 10, 15 years, he will be a familiar name um, kind of for them for them to see. That's a decent little storyline there, actually. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, cool. Well, Sinar Pejman, thank you so much for joining me on the, on the episode. Um, and yeah, just to recap, We've got the the match against uh, Russia, the 23rd of March in Tehran, and then uh, against Kenya on the 28th, again in Tehran. Um, so yeah, follow us on Twitter 
uh, and Instagram to follow those games and we'll publish like the teams on the day and everything like that. So uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode. and you're listening to Golbezan and I hope you continue listening to their amazing podcast. Thank you all for the support. Love you, Golbezan.